Welcome to Power Tools to Success. This is a show about overcoming adversity and making a difference. Your host, Philip Rampisa, interviews guests from all walks of life to help you succeed. Hello, welcome to Power Tools to Success. Today we are speaking to Sunet Wagner. Sunet is a business development specialist and a social entrepreneur with over 20 years experience in entrepreneurship. Hi, Sunet. Um, welcome to Power Tools uh, for Success. Thank you so much for joining me. Did you have a good morning? I had a wonderful morning. Thank you, Philip. And thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for joining me. You know, I know I met you a year ago and we had a wonderful discussion in terms of business development and you shared some great ideas uh, with me. Could you please, just for the benefit of our audience, tell us about your background and the projects that you've been involved in? I studied Beacon Law and Accountancy, was part of the Alabama student company. It was a common arts group. And the reason why I'm saying this is straight out of varsity, I ventured into entrepreneurship. I've never worked for a boss ever. Um, and it's been such a journey in growing as an entrepreneur and realizing what type of entrepreneur I am. And I'm definitely a social entrepreneur. If there's not a definite cause or it's not enhancing people's lives, only about money, I just don't have any interest in that type of venture. So in the years I started off in 2002 with um, Review Minimax, it was performing arts company. It turned into only Minimax, where we did uh, teacher development, um, we developed curriculum. I truly worked in the school, your public school sector for almost 15 years and it culminated into an arts academy that we did for one of our biggest corporates in South Africa. And through the process, what I have learned is I stepped into all the classical mistakes that entrepreneurs will make in their lifetime but i've realized that we can impart knowledge to people but not experience and sometimes as entrepreneurs we just need to feel the pain in order to learn the lesson and to not make that and one of the things that i've also realized is that in this time um, with the making of mistakes all of that is that it's good for us. It strengthens us. It helps us to become what we need to be, and um, it forms our character. So I believe that is at the end, the end result of all our endeavors is to form your character, to build great relationships, and to be there for other people. In short. Yeah. So you've never worked for a boss. Has that always been your your plan, or? Did it just happen incidentally? It wasn't my plan, I have to say. So first of all, I was blessed. My dad uh, became an entrepreneur when I was in grade two. So in my teenage years, I had the example of entrepreneurship. So I think it was easy for me to follow in those footsteps because my, my dad and mom, they never had to work for a boss. So, and they were self-workers. They, they showcase to me how you can be diligent and get results by working for yourself. So the first two years of the business, I didn't realize that I'm building the business. It was just 
something that I was passionate about. And one day somebody said, oh, so you're building a business. I'm like, is this called building a business? <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, I'm building my business. <laughs> so you were, you were just doing what you love. I just did what I loved. And my, my parents were there to support me and saying, how do you price this? How do you do a business model around that? You didn't call it a business model, but they would challenge me and say, okay, so what are you going to charge for this? And then I was like, okay, let's figure out what I'm going to charge for this. Um, so I was completely oblivious uh, that I was building a business and I was completely in denial that I was building a business. What was that so, business, Sumit, if I may so, ask? So, the, so that was the, the, the um, uh, Minimax, Minimax Performing Arts. Um, I didn't formalize it at the beginning. I was a, a sole proprietor, so I didn't do uh, the legislation around the business and all of that. Um, I just acted as a independent. And wow. eventually uh, I realized that so I am building business, so now we need to get all other things in place. So let's get that in place. Uh, but it took me three years to, to recognize and acknowledge that I am able, willing, and I want to build my own business. I'm so impressed by that. And you know, I also think when Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates started with computers, I don't think they thought that they were building businesses, but they, they ended up building very big business. So Nat, I just want to ask you what social entrepreneurship means. And, you know, maybe just for our audience, how does that really differ from traditional entrepreneurship what is exactly social entrepreneurship so i think and this is definitely not a dictionary oxford explanation this is my my understanding of social entrepreneurship in my life is that social entrepreneurship the focus is the biggest difference between just being an entrepreneur and being a social entrepreneur when you're social entrepreneur you have one of the the key, I would say, criteria, or if you want to identify a social entrepreneur, is that they are passionate about something very specific. In my case, I was extremely, and still is, passionate about what the role of performing arts and the arts is in society. Then it's the case of saying, okay, so I've got this passion, and um, is is this passion, um, is it focused on people? Is it focused on society? Is it focused on community? And if it is, you are definitely heading into that direction of the social side of entrepreneurship. Thanks for explaining. So in my view, from listening to what you are explaining, what differentiates social entrepreneurship from traditional entrepreneurship is the drive. So Sunet, I want to ask you, for many of the people that will be listening to the show, it is people that are looking for solutions. It is people that um, are trying to move from A to B and are trying to improve in what they do. So I can imagine people who want to become social entrepreneurs listening to this and asking themselves, how do they get started? How do they become social entrepreneurs? So what I want to ask you is, if somebody wanted to become a social entrepreneur, what sort of thinking and behavior should they adopt? What are the key attributes? Because somebody might have a passion and they might know that they want to become social entrepreneurs, but they wouldn't know how to get started, 
you know, what sort of behaviors they should model, what sort of characteristics are required for becoming a social entrepreneur. Could you please explain that for us? My biggest advice would be is first of all, if you if and and we prior to this um, session we had this talking. If this speak this is speaking to your heart, listen number one to your heart. Then secondly, just start doing something. Don't think that there is a a right way, a perfect way. This is the way that it should be. There is no definite way of doing. Um, yes, there is professionalism. There's experience, all of that, but that you gain along the way. It is a journey and a process. And one of the things that I've also realized is there's no shortcuts. If you really want to leave a legacy, you have real impact, you need to be willing to journey, to not just reach that destination of, oh, I want to make an income, or, oh, I want to have this and this and this but say, I am willing to take the open doors in front of me and stop knocking on the closed one and just take the journey. Because it, yes, I'm not saying for 20 years you shouldn't earn an income. No, not at all. Along the way, you will build more confidence, you will grow in your values, you will grow in your guts to charge what you need to charge for what you are offering and you will become more clear about your offering to society and to the world and i think that is the short and the tall so Ned, for the benefit of, of our listeners mm. can we just share some examples of a social entrepreneurial project with us so i'm going to share with you a current example of one of my social entrepreneurship projects that i'm busy with um, and it's actually very relevant because this whole project came about now just a week after lockdown <laughs> in this new world that we're living in. Uh, one of my clients, uh, the Smile Foundation, they came to me all well, uh, in the past uh, two years. Yes, I've been helping them because part of my process and purpose is to help social enterprises with income generating activities leading to sustainability. So we've been testing a few projects over the past two years and in that process um, we have a great relationship between myself and the organization. And a week before lockdown, um, Katie Lewis came to me and said, Ned, we need to, the world is changing and we would need to come up with a creative way of activating um, our new audiences. There's going to be a massive need for uh, PPE, personal protective equipment in academic and public hospitals, and we everybody's going to be in need. So how are we going to position ourselves in the market? How are we going to get people to get involved? Because everybody is going to be in need. People are not going to work, and so it was it was quite a challenge. And so we sat down, and I, I believe in asset-based community development, and that means that you. You recognize and acknowledge what you have, and that's not money. Um, it's, it's from relationships, friends, um, access to networks, um, what type of um, elements do you have in your business that you can utilize without that costing you any money. And so 
we came about uh, with we formalized the concept the hashtag help those on the front line charity concert because I've got a pulling off background. I'm consulting with one of my other companies, which is Tixa, they're a ticketing company, a technology company. And I've been helping them to um, also sort out the online streaming of concerts. Because all events have been cancelled indefinitely. And um, I said to him, you know what, but it took about four weeks to get the concept down of saying, okay, so this is maybe something we can do. And we came up with a series of eight concerts where we are activating um, South African artists to perform in these concerts to the benefit of the foundation, but it's a win-win for all. So the ticket sales, a certain percentage of ticket sales goes towards the artists for them and their performance, so they're taking risks, we're not paying them up front. Um, we have the Smile Foundation helped us to activate a social media and PR campaign. Tixa came on board and said, okay, they'll pick up the project management costs. And we have up to date, I'm now busy with concert hashtag number four. It's our band's galore concert. And we have activated 76 artists already that came on board with the project. And what I am finding is in this process, um, of building a sustainable because we look I'm looking at this concept and I'm saying this will be able to live beyond COVID, beyond lockdown. Um, and we've built them a sustainable income generating activity where you get multiple parties involved to generate income. And this is one of the ma major needs and one of my passions is to help your NGOs, your uh, your typical NGOs to move from donor funding to their, their own funding. So, um, and in this process, we have, oh, well, this was a little bit, I can't believe it was a surprise to me, but I said, ah, oh, okay, no difference between NGOs and entrepreneurship. I had to oh. actually activate the sales team as well now, where we're approaching business, small businesses, and even, um, your private practices in the medical field where we say, please buy a ticket for um, somebody on the front line putting their life at risk on a daily basis. And this concert is all about saying thank you to them. But it has so many, um, I want to say, angles and tentacles where you can say, okay, uh, we, can, we are contributing to PPE, we are contributing to Smile Foundation, we are activating artists, they are generating income, uh, we are saying thank you to those on the front line, and we are creating public awareness and education, educational program and model for those that are not maybe taking this whole scenario that serious um, by saying that, hey guys, we need to flatten the curve. And this is my most recent example of, we had no budget when we started, and it was about proving concept and i can officially say we already have three malls that came on board with campaigns on their own supporting this drive and um, we are in conversation with some corporates who are now looking at this model and saying hey but we can't reach out to the community either in this time but this is a way of getting into the living rooms of our potential market so now we're building a marketing element into it for those individuals. 
this is going to change a lot of lives and it's an example of how to collaborate in our new world. Wow, it, so it does sound amazing. <laughs> yeah, man, it does sound amazing. And good luck with your goal to raise uh, 10 million from, from, from yeah. the project. I Thank just you. would like to ask you, the what you've explained now sounds like there's a lot of creativity involved and i think any business does need that sort of creativity but it, do you think it is much harder to raise funds for a social project than it would be for a traditional entrepreneurial project what is your view on that hmm, that's a very good question i believe there's no difference between the two because if you want to raise um, funds, it needs to make business sense. That doesn't change. Uh, there needs to be a market. There needs to. It can't just be a, 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 an idea that you're passionate about, and because you're passionate about, you want people to fund. And most entrepreneurs also think that, hey, this is a good idea. I think you should fund it. No, 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 no. There needs to be a market. There needs to be a viable product. It needs to be something that you can scale. Um, all the business ethics around it should still apply um, for you to raise the funds. But what I want to say is people need to be careful to search for that funder or that angel funder or um, getting the loan from the bank for this initiative. Because most of the time, what the, the the concept that you're starting with and the end concept are two different worlds apart it's the organic process that gets you to the destination and i think we've all kind of bought into this instant gratification of i stop at the takeaway and within 10 minutes i have my food we think that business works like that as well mm. and it's done um the, if, if there's one thing and uh, one piece of advice that I will give to people is that the, the, the quick way is the long way and the long way is the quick way. Wow, that is so profound. <laughs> wow. Um, Let so me that's... put it this way. I felt it on my body. I've done the <laughs> shortcut. <laughs> but, I have I have the injuries and the yeah I've got it all. <laughs> talking about the injuries, that is my next question, Sunet. You know we have choices. I mean there are people that have careers and are employed, and you mm. have never worked for a boss. I wanted to mm. ask you: Have you met any obstacles? How did you overcome them? Was there a time where you felt like you wanted to give up and get a job? Yes, <laughs> many times. There was even a book written about what to do when you want to give up by Alain Reyes from Race Gold on my journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, let me put it this way. My, my most recent and the biggest obstacle that I had to face was actually to close down my performing arts business four years ago, where I made a classical mistake of building my business around one big client that made up 95% of my income. Uh, it supported myself about 20 people, and um, we were in our final year 
we um, were promised by the cloud that they will open up their network to us. And um, the strategy changed. And that December 2016, they phoned me and said, um, we're not continuing this contract. And it was really millions that they're not continuing with. And in a phone call, I lost 95% of our income, which meant that that January, um, I, I just thank the Lord that it was the last day of our working calendar as well. So I have three weeks of vacation just to process what just happened. <laughs> and that January month, I will never forget it. But so if somebody asked me, uh, because I I gave myself time um, to say, okay, I'm in between stuff. Um, I'm still working within my passion and my focus and my purpose. Um, what would I do differently now? I won't employ ever again. I will work with people and people won't work for me. We will work with one another on an entrepreneurial basis because that's one of the biggest downfalls of SMEs and companies in general is when there's no work and there's no contract, you still have overhead. And if you can limit your overhead and spread the risk and the load, I will not have formal offices. Um, I love this working from home principle because the type of people I work with, I can trust. I don't have to have them in an office building to make sure, are you doing your work? You don't have to do that. And what I've also realized, I'm a project-based kind of gal. So I will activate my team, and as we've done before, I will activate the team, and they will be on contract, and they will work, it might be from six months to three-year contract, um, but they will be entrepreneurs in their own right, and we will build something together. And I think those type of learning that came from the whole closure is priceless. And only if you start to help it in your bones, um, you would understand that. Um, yeah. But one of the gifts that I've received in closing the business is the worst thing ever did happen to me. I lost my business. <laughs> and yeah. there's freedom in that because if you lost something that was so important to you and you walk out on the other side and you realize that you didn't die, you didn't lose your most important relationship in the process, then you're extremely grateful and you feel it actually because what's the worst that can happen? You need to close it down. It happened and I'm okay. Okay, let's move on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, just the way you explain all the lessons. I mean, lessons in terms of running a business, but the purpose that you drew from the challenge in terms of how you're going to run your business and what you stand for and what you want to accomplish. And we always talk work-life balance, but mm -hmm. there's no one that has said it told me a story of work-life balance than, mm. than what you've done now. We always talk about it in terms of what you can do, but your story just, just you know, it, it, it makes it, it just takes it there, it takes the issue of work-life balance there. 17 years building a business and you close it down in a year. Mm. 
and and yeah, it's it's it, it's really it's it's shocking if you look at it yourself. It's like what? <laughs> totally <laughs> amazing. So, Sunet, I know in talking you've already mentioned in in many ways than one what success means to you, but I mm. like asking this question because success means different things to people. Mm. What does success mm. mean to you? Have I impacted somebody's life in positive Have I given them something of me that they needed to continue themselves? Have I changed lives? That's success to me. And now, here is a pearl of wisdom from our guest today. So for me, it's the anonymous quote. Somebody shared it once with me many years ago, but it's so relevant. It's how you do one thing is how you do everything. So look at how you're doing something. If, you, if you're not in the mood of doing it and you're doing it in a certain way, guess what? Something that you love doing, doing it exactly the same. So how you do one thing is how you do everything. So be attentive to when you don't want to do stuff or not in the mood on how you're actually doing it because that's how you do everything. Wow. Sunette Wagner, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you being in the show. This has been one of the most wonderful shows that I've, I've ever been involved in. I was listening. I also wanted to take notes at some point. So it's <laughs> been great. And, I've, you know, you've shared with us some very profound things. Thank you so much for being part of the show. And thank you for being you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Philip. And you know what? I thank God for the fact that you and I have met. Because I also know that our journeys are to be continued. Thank you for the opportunity. It really it was an honor. Thank you for joining us. To consult, reach us, or subscribe to our newsletter, please visit www.philiprampisa.com.